Hi all, welcome back to Popcorn from the podcast. And before we actually get into the episode, just wanted to remind you guys to please like, rate, review, subscribe, everything they can. We're on all the platforms. We do have a lot of upcoming shows and end of year um, reviews coming up. So I think you guys would be really interested in knowing what have been the top 10, top 20 best movies best tv shows and all plus we've got oscar seasons coming up as well i think you guys would love to hear our opinions on um saltburn <laughs> and <laughs> all the other like amazing shows coming up so yeah guys please don't forget to rate review subscribe and um, it really helps us and it really helps with um engagements as well and also don't forget to follow us on all the social media platforms don't be shy in dropping us a DM and just go. It's all about getting the conversation going. It's all about the community, guys. And also, it's nothing without you guys. And also, we'd like to thank you guys for being here as well because you guys just make up everything that we do. And yeah, I guess we'll get into the episode. Slow horses, spies, coats, <laughs> conspiracy. One of the best, just one of the best TV shows I've ever And it is my pleasure again to be joined by Mr. Chris Connor. How are you, Chris? Hi, yeah, I'm good, thank you. How's it going? Doing well. It's great to be back. Great to have you back. And yeah, Chris writes for the Flickering Myth and all publications. So please go check him out. He is actually a uh, you know, f- film, TV, music. Yeah, do a bit, well, uh, a bit of music, yeah. Do, do a bit more lately, which is good. Proper and journalist. So don't be scared to go read his work. He actually does really, really good reviews here and there. And it's really, really objective. Thank you. I'm not saying that because it's staring at me. I'm actually saying that because I've read it. <laughs> I've read a couple of his. And yeah, just quite impressive. Quite it's quite nice and short as well. So yeah, guys, please go check him out. But today, Chris will be joining us to be talking about Slow Horses, season three, episode three and four, negotiating with tigers and uninvited guests, which are both directed by Saul Metstein and based on books from McCarran. And just kind of get into the episode, I feel this is where things start ramping up, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this series has been quite fast-paced anyway, because you had like the bit in Istanbul at the start of episode one, and then <laughs> the getting River to break into the park in episode two. Yeah. But yeah, across both these episodes, there's like never a moment where there's not something happening. Um. You know, there's kind of tension, there's surprises, twists, you know, new new things being introduced we didn't know about. Um, yeah, and it never kind of goes where you expect it to go. No. I think the first time, I mean, just watching it, because after the first two, so just to recap, after the first two episodes, I sort of realised that this thing, you know, this massive action sequence was just a massive test on the MI5 security system, and this two episodes delve into the results from that test and 
of kind of things have gone. Things aren't really what they seem to be, but they are, but they're not. And I guess, as you mentioned, it just keeps on surprising us, doesn't it? So I guess in these episodes, we it, it kind of centers around a the Grey Books, which is, I've always wanted to use this word in the podcast, which is the MacGuffin. <laughs> which is the MacGuffin. That's some, some, some TV film language lingo for you guys. But it's basically, so just to kind of, I keep on going, kind of going all around the place because this episode just scrummed my brain, basically took it all around the place. But the Tiger team led by the Sean Donovan are, who are actually, who you think were the testing, uh, supposed to test for the um, MI5 system, right? But it sort of turns out that they're not actually, and there's actual, they've got other motivations at hand. And I mean, when the exchange was supposed to happen with Standish at the Khan, so everything was successful with, with the security defense team, and it's like, you know, everything's nice, let's go for a drink. But he sort of realizes, you know, he's like, I can't go for a drink, he's an actual alcoholic. But then he then pulls his gun out and you're like, oh, okay, this is a twist and a twist. What did you think about that scene? Yeah, I mean, um, the way they kind of held it back, you're like, oh, is she going to get let go in episode three, you know? And then this is what we really want. You know, mm-hmm. that was good, or you're not going yet, but they kind of do it really well. So it never feels like, oh, here's a twist for the sake of having a twist. I feel like what the books and show do really well is just like each twist kind of feels earned. Yes. And like there's a reason Absolutely. for it. And because some of this stuff can just be like, oh, there's way too many twists and it gets all like, like Sherlock sometimes was a bit like that. <laughs> Whereas like, this person's not actually who you thought they were. Um, yeah. But here it's like, there are, you know, changes and things, but it's still like easy to follow and you can kind of see them yeah. coming. Yeah. Oh gosh. Sherlock, what 90 minute Sherlock episode. Christ, that was a, that was something else. I mean, they were good, but it kind of got a bit rough later on. And, but I mean, I guess back to Slow Horses, this, first time I watched that, I've watched this twice now. First time I watched that, I was like, oh, okay. I kind of, Wake up a little bit. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Because I sort of realized it's one three episodes in, still about three episodes to go. I you know, like, you know, this surely the kind of exchange Spanish and that be the end of that. Then you know, you're sort of expecting it, but it sort of builds up really well and you're kind of expecting it, but it still pays off um well. And it's kind of earned, like you've mentioned. And I feel that was really, really well done. And I feel with Along with the episode, you tend to you kind of realize like, the layers of the onion start peeling itself back and gets the motivations for Sean Donovan and his two other accomplices, which we then later realize or find out that they're actually siblings of the Allison Don, who was the ex MI5 lady who was killed in the first episode, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I, did, I can't remember if that's directly from the book, but that was quite a neat way of um, showing who he was working with and how, you know, why they're doing what they're doing, Um, which is more episode four than episode three, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, I guess episode three was more about, well, this was a test, wasn't it? Oh, actually, it wasn't a test. Oh, actually, it wasn't a test after our dear boy, (laughs) Mr. Spider, Mr. James Webb. Yeah, and then... The unfortunate, unfortunate events that happened. They did such a good job 
because I think that we've probably talked about this before, but he's he doesn't last this long in the books, so he's already a god by this point. And I can't remember who is the equivalent person because the stuff in the restaurant, you know, with the body that happens in the book. But making it spider is clever because it is like, oh shit, you know, he's still scheming after he's been shot and after he's left MI five, and he's still a dick. And then obviously it leaves <laughs> an impression. He's like impression on Riverhead episode four. You know, he start he was an idiot, but he's still a bit upset because they obviously they knew each other and. Yeah, that was that was quite something. And I feel, I mean, even before, I guess the start of the episode, we start at the um, Home Secretary's office and he's having a meeting with Ingrid, who's the head of MI5, first desk. And she's trying to, because the expectation is she's going to get fired because how can this, you know, the bloody snow horses bridge MI5, which is supposed to be protecting the British people. So she's pretending to be fired, but she's trying to one-up them by handing the resignation. But, you know, he's saying that, well, she, you know, he's got his plans as well because he's trying to assist MI5 by bringing in these private defense contractors, Chieftain, which is who basically organized the um, Tiger Test um, operation, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there was some commentary there about how because it's like, why do you want Chieftain? Why not this? And it's kind of like, oh, because you've got some, you know, there's some financial incentive for you because obviously you have an investment in the company, don't you? So obviously you want to try and make a big buck, you know, before you leave or before something eventually happens to you as Home Secretary because all these job positions, especially in this modern day and age, aren't, you know, it's a short-term position, isn't it? So I guess that was, because you always hear like some news about how Especially, it was quite rampant in the COVID um, or pandemic about how, you know, the health minister would subcontract um, some, you know, health and PP, PPE products to someone's friend or something. And it's like, oh, the person, his friend went to Eton or went to the same college in Oxbridge or something. And I guess you could sort of see it here because him, Judd, the Home Secretary, and the CEO of Chieftain, Mr. Sly Monteith, Sly Monteith which is yeah. the best and worst name I've ever heard in my life. But you could tell that they went to the same, well, he mentions that they went to the same school as well. So I guess Ingrid um, is up up the creek, isn't she? Yeah, and but it's interesting how she kind of manoeuvres things. So you think she's dead, and then she kind of manoeuvres things into her favour. And it's interesting that Diana's not been that big a part of this series yet. I was going to mention that. Yeah, I mean, I think cause... she will be in the final two episodes, but yeah, it's been more about Ingrid so far. So far, yeah. Um, and it's, I think, sort of piggybacking on what you've mentioned about how tables are later turn in season in episode four, where I think the episode starts as well in the same on in Judd's office, but now they've realised that the Tiger Test. Team, well, Tiger Test team have their own motivations, and it's a bit more than just a test operation. He's literally on because I think she walks into his office and he stands up and she tells him to sit down. And you're like, oh, okay, this is see who's literally in charge right now. So I really, really found that because I think both um, episodes started in the same room, but the power dynamics had shifted, hadn't they? Yeah, it's kind of gone from her handing in a resignation to her, you know, saying we've got a plan to 
to do, you know. Yeah, him saying his weight, he's in weight over his and um, over his head is kind of out of his depth, wasn't he? Yeah, and he's a, he's a great character because he's like, as he said, a real life politician almost. He's, he basically yeah. just get dude does whatever he does to to get what he wants, you know. And we've already seen that in the show because he has links to that journalist in the first whose name I can't remember, but in the first season. Yeah, I got um, a twat. She didn't like it at all. Uh, but in the books, he's he kind of yeah he kind of is up and down in terms of like Diana and Ingrid and stuff, and he's kind yeah. of always there whether he's in government or not. He's always like a lurking uh, person in the background. Yeah, I mean, I did like that. Um, if, if I guess the thing about like spy shows, I did mention in the first episode about how it's like a travel show as well. So you're sort of going to like different parts of the world, different parts of the country. I did like that part in. Um, and I went to the restaurant. I think it's um, is it Anne Olivia's. Mm-hmm. Is that a real restaurant? I didn't even check it up. But um, yeah, I wonder how much. I don't know how much the menus must be. But um, yeah, I like that scene where Lamb just sort of walked in. And wow, like, that's funny. <laughs> just walked in, and I think there was some people at the background, like two men, but both stood up and they're like, they were so shocked by what they were seeing because he didn't align with the dress code. He didn't align with anything. Bang, and they yeah. were just so aghast is the right word about what they were watching. It's this when he's like, how much is this bottle of wine? And then he's like, more than your monthly salary. <laughs> and it's like, and he drinks it and it's like, that's some really good wine there. <laughs> <laughs> really, really good stuff from, from Mr. Mr. Gary Oldman. But I guess that's sort of the big picture about how that's the, what the episode, or that's how the episode develops in the sense that it was a testing operation. Oh, actually, it wasn't a testing operation. So what exactly was it? Well, it was, um, but it wasn't. Yes, exactly. And it's like, okay, if it's not a testing operation, then they're looking for the grey books now. And I guess to for the listeners, would you like to help our listeners try to explain what, what grey books are. See, I, I reckon this is something that we probably actually have in real life. Gotta have. Jerkin? Well, it wouldn't be a stretch. Do you believe, would it? it wouldn't be a stretch. Do you not believe that we landed on the moon? Um, no, no, but like, it is basically... <laughs> I've got some moon hop ticks, but I will say the one in podcast. It's basically like a book or, well, set of books, because I don't think you actually see them, do you? Um, mm. About, you know, conspiracy theories. Mm. Um... Sort of stuff about the moon landings, flat earthers, probably UK yeah. assassinations, all that kind of stuff. Um, and they keep them all in in this uh, vault, which we see in episode one. You know, Diana goes for a look around, and oh, what's his name, Justin Douglas, yeah. Douglas, that's it. Um, yeah, you know, lovable you like a Douglas, um, and he's obviously back in episode four as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, well, so they keep them under lock and key. They're not really that consequential you know fairly fairly throwaway because there's not not, Mm -hmm. nothing of national security in them but i think they just keep files on uh wackos basically yeah any single conspiracy i think the government is like is this really well it's obviously rubbish but if it's not rubbish let's try and be be mindful of it yeah yeah you've got always prepared for prepare for the worst which i guess is good with government but still um so i mean so it's like, are they actually, well, you're not a testing team, are they actually wacko conspiracy weirdos who want to know if bloody aliens are real or not? This is kind of where the show is leading us. And it's like, okay, let's, I mean, I'm just, I'm just gonna, let me, let me hop in the car, let me just see where this is gonna take, take us. But at the same time, at the back of your mind, 
there was that, but you also have the first sequence of the TV show, which is Alison's death, and it kind of like, how is everything going to come together? Which I guess we solve um, the bug in the fourth, or the end of the fourth episode with um, with, um, with with Ingrid, Dame Ingrid, actually, I should mention. I was talking to my friend the other day about like, would you like to have a sir in your name? Sir Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. Or, because I was, because I'm doing exams at the moment, right? And it's like where you qualify, you have like an FIA. So I think I'm going to be that twat who's like, whenever I can send an email or something, I'd be like, George Fletcher, FIA, MH. I'm going to have like all the qualifications like the, <laughs> at the end of my name just to, just, just to prove a point. But, um, yeah, I guess that's with um, that's when Dean. Um, you kind of mentioned about Tavina, who really doesn't really have any or minimal screen time. I guess m- most of her interactions in these two episodes are phone calls with Ingrid, aren't they? Yeah, and I think it's I've I've already watched I've watched the next the last two episodes, but I think there's there's going to be something between them. I'm thinking maybe there might be a power play or something, but yeah, I'm not I, sure. That's my. I kind of oh, wait, if it's true to what happens in the books, I know obviously what happens, but I'm not going to get in get into it too much. But if it's done in the same kind of way, then I think it'd be really interesting to watch. Yeah, and sort and of shift to how things are in series four. Exactly, and I feel like it's because I think they've had like either two or three conversations. Um. It's been Tavenier is like, okay, I'm with you. And this is happening. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's try and throw um, Judd into, uh, let's try and get him out of here. It's just me and everything, right? But I feel she might have something up her sleeve. But that's um, that's my predict. That's my prediction for the next for the next couple of episodes. No, yeah, that's fair. I mean, the one thing I liked about well, it's more episode four again, but that Rivers' uh, granddad finally shows up. Yeah. Because he's kind of been absent from the show up until this point. Yeah. Um, that scene, because he's supposed to be having is it amnesia. Well, if it's not amnesia, he, he's having like early onset or dementia. And he's obviously like forgetting yeah. things because he's like, oh, we had this conversation, you know, two or three weeks ago about um, you uh, sort of suspending your mem- membership of this club. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "Oh, I did." Yeah, and it's like he's losing it, and I'm like, "Well, you're like 80, aren't you?" But at the same time, like, it was a quite a heartwarming moment about how um, does an operation that River tells him about, but you know, she tells him about you know his thought process, and it's like, "Yeah, he's still having." That. I thought that was quite endearing, wasn't it? Hmm. But also, his granddad, old... ra- his granddad raised him, so he's obviously like got yeah. a close relationship with him. Yeah, try to, but you know, just can't help himself. Just keeps saying fucking it, fucking it up, doesn't he? But, but um, he gets back to Sean Donovan, and you know, he's kind of wants the grey books, and Mister James Spider Web Spider is like, you know, the Tiger operation went well. He's going to get a big bonus. Going to have a big meeting with uh, Home Secretary Adam Livers, as I mentioned earlier on, and. 
the bot is like, oh, but um, Stanish hasn't been returned yet. What the hell is going on? And Monteith told him to sort it out. He's not coming for dinner. Then he tries to short, he tries to sort it out and he tries to act like, in Sean Donovan's words, the big man. And he gets a whack into the head and basically kills him, which is a rough way to go. But I think that's sort of when the episode shifts, I'd say. Because it was all, it was kind of action-packed. By the same time, I was like, oh, this is all a test. Then fucking Spider dies. Because I thought, because I've never read the books, and I'm thinking Spider is one of, like, the main characters. Kind of, you know, let's say Cartwright, sort of arch nemesis in that sense. And that's sort of the vibe they give in the show. And it's, oh, she is dead. Oh, Especially as they were bigging him up earlier in the episode. Being exactly. like, oh, I kind of helped organize this uh, this op. And then, bam, he's dead. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay. I guess it reminded me of, um, slightly of, because when I watched the first, this is spoiler, guys, for Game of Thrones, but like the first episode of Game of Thrones when Ned Stark's head comes off and you're like, oh, okay, this is not, this is not Vampire Diaries I'm watching. No, but I mean, Game this of Thrones is... has like a different main character in each series. Or, yeah. Because you have yeah, the series where yeah. Pedro Pascal's in it and he's like the main guy for that season. And then, by that time, Damn, he's dead. At that time, you think Sean Bean is the main character. I think Sean Bean was probably the most recognizable person. He was. I mean, there were other big in season there, one, but in the when it started, I think he was one of the people that got people into it because it, you know it's like James Bond and Lord of the Rings, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he was the one. Yeah, I think about it. He's probably the one I knew. I knew I knew, I knew Lena Headley's face, but I didn't know oh, her Hadley face. Maybe as well. Yeah, but I think Sean Bean was. He's the big one. He was the big one, and he's like, oh, his head is off. And you're like, oh, shit, then. Okay. I think shit just got ragged. I, I was probably like a little um, diet version of how I got from the spider death, but I mean, you've read the books, so... No, I mean, uh, it, it reading the books, it did remind me of Game of Thrones, and also, mm. actually, Spooks, the old BBC show. Yeah. They used to bump off cast members quite often. Jeez, I'm about to start, I'm about to start watching that in ah, about but, um, a month. <laughs> Game of Thrones was one of the first kind of major shows that was like consistently killing off main characters. And this, and the books and the show here, because obviously we've had Min, uh, Min's died already. I think quite a few of the, across the two or three series, a few Slow House people have died, haven't they? Um, and there's a lot more that's it's going to happen to. So they find, um, or Marcus and Shirley find his house after, it's worth mentioning, after Lamb tells them not to enter the house. And Break into the house. I mean, they obviously kick down the doors because that's what MI5 does. And yeah, kind of looking through and they realize, well, they saw the deuce from their end that, or they know that, or they've been told it's a tiger team, but they sort of, oh, okay, this is a, there's a bit more than a tiger team here, but once they're about to sort of kind of delve it deeper, um, some police guys kind of bust to the house because they've been phoned in about some neighbours, they phoned in about them, and they bust Shirley's coke, don't they? In their pockets. And it's crazy because <laughs> everyone has been telling her she looks a bit too wide on the job. Um, but we don't really know yet, do we, as viewers, that she has a quote? No, it's, it's, that's interesting because I feel like 
in the first season she was in, they played down her drug habit. And mm. I don't think they mentioned drugs at all in season two. And then mm. in this season, they kind of bring yeah. it up a bit more. Whereas I think in the book, she's like a druggie from the start. And that's one of the reasons she got she got fired. Or, yeah. you know, the reason she's in Slough House. I feel like maybe they oh, didn't right. want to have a character with a drug habit in the show. Well, because we don't really know yet, do we? The reason why she's in Slough House. Because at least for Marcus, we know that. Gambling. Actually, no, we don't. Thing. No, but this. But I think he said something about, I think it might be in the second season, about how we can't use the gambling against him because I think there's some like mental health um, loophole um, in quotation marks that he could use must be from, I forgot what I said, for another reason or something, but they bust the drugs, the phone lamp and he fires both of them. So, I mean, there's that in the sense where, I mean, lamb talks a lot of shit. So are they really fine? And it's like, no. Well, Marcus is like, I mean, you're the one cook, so you're fine. I'm not fine. I'm still here. Um, what did what did you think about that scene in general? It's pretty well done because um, I think it's in a sense like you've got to feel real. It's like, oh shit, there could mm. be a real risk of them getting fired. But then also you're probably thinking, nah, their main characters are not going to get fired. And again, kind of like knowing what happens to those two, it's like they're not actually fired, but. Um, again, like they could, they could go in a different direction with with things, but it's mm-hmm. like, how different are they going to go? You know, because generally speaking, they're quite faithful to um, to how things play out. Yeah. Oh, okay. The biggest change so far has been Spider not dying earlier in season two, basically. Oh, actually, no. Oh, the Russians. The the, the scene where River's granddad like kills some Russians in season two—that's not yeah. in the book either. Oh, they the, like go the Russian River, assassin. They, yeah, they go to River's granddad's house and he shoots them. That's not right. Oh, is that not? Oh, I mean, that really, that really worked well for the. But yeah, so so what I mean is series, all the changes, think, like yeah. the changes with Spider, like having him stay as a main part of this season, worked fine. <laughs> for like two and a half episodes, and he was gone. Four episodes, three episodes, he was gone. But um, yeah, I think it um, kind of continuing the theme about trying to decipher exactly what Sean Donovan and his crown about. I think we do, because after they kidnap Standish again for the second time and take it to what I believe is to be a house, we sort of realise that his two accomplices are Alice and Dunn's siblings and they're trying to get revenge for her, or it's not revenge, justice, because they, they think for, she was murdered by the government. Because they think she was murdered. And it's like, okay, this is definitely... So you're kind of like, what? what's the relation from that to the slow books? And because you know, they're trying to ask Standish about, you know, where can we find the actual grey books? Where would it be found? Everything. And also, I think this this might be in episode four, about how episode three, one of the episodes how they got a leak or they got a tip from someone from the inside about something that might have related to Alison's death. I think that's what triggered this whole set of events in this sense, in the sense that um, I've forgotten the girl's name, Alison's sister. But, oh God, yeah, I've gone blank, but um, I know what you mean. Yeah, she found Sean, who was an alcoholic, so she stopped him from drinking. And then they found the brother and they've sort of kind of planned this entire thing. 
and here they are trying to find something in the grey books which would provide justice to Alison's death. It was clever. I mean, it gives them motivation for what they're doing rather than just there because initially you're like, well, they want the grey books, so they just nutters. And mm-hmm. the fact they've got genuine grievances about um, how she was killed and you know whether her suicide was staged and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, because we don't really see it in episode one, you kind of see her arrive and then you see her dead, but you don't see like I'm wondering. No, if the actual if action might show that in the final two episodes, because um, Catherine Waterston's a big uh, actress to get for like one one episode. I mean, she pops up briefly in in these two episodes, but more in like mm. very brief flashbacks and photos. Like, there's no more footage yeah. of her filming anything. They can't have hired her just for 10 minutes of filming, surely. Well, it's, you know, Apple TV, you know, we're going to pay you this amount for how many, what, an hour of acting? Nice and easy work. Get involved in a good show. I'm always quite like, I just like when um, big actors and actresses just make, like, cameos here and there. Like, I watched Inglourious Bastards the other day. And it's just a cameo, like there's Mike Myers, who's there. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's um, Fassbender, who's just... That's not really... Was that really a cameo? Yeah, he's, he's, a cameo, he's one of the main parts, but it's not a massive role. No, but I think Mike Myers was like, I want to be in a Quentin Tarantino movie. I don't care. Yeah, I think, Tarantino. I think always. he has like... I think he's got English parents, so him doing the accent wasn't a problem anyway, so... No, and Tarantino yeah, always has cameos in his movies, doesn't he? Yeah, he needs to stop that. <laughs> he needs to stop that ASAP. But yeah, I, I mean, we spoke about Cartwright early on. Well, going back to the start of the episode, I mean, he's been captured after his failed escape from um, from the park. I want to call it the circus mode. <laughs> That's the, the yeah, park. The wrong spy franchise. <laughs> I'm actually reading um, uh, A Spy Who Came In From The Cold. That's my favourite Le Carre book, I think classic yeah, and I, 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 think think, probably... I think much as i think he was a fantastic writer his books could be a bit too dense sometimes to read like because like if you, the really big ones they take ages to read because you're kind of wanting to absorb all the details where a spy came in from the yeah. cold is a couple hundred pages you know it's, not, it's pages, not, yeah. not a big one his, his early books are all really short and then sort of tinker taylor onwards they get to like sort of five six hundred pages and i'm all like right. that's dense yeah i think even when it goes from like from just cold war spy which is i mean because I get, it's worth mentioning that he himself was a spy in um, MI5 and MI6. I think he, he actually got busted on the whole Cambridge Five sort of scandal thing. If you want to kind of go through down our deep rabbit hole, guys, just type in Cambridge Five on Wikipedia and just help yourself because I've done that one too many times. But um, yeah, because he was a spy as well, so he actually lived a life, didn't he? Yeah, and there's another, speaking of Apple TV with Slow Horses, there's actually a new documentary about him on Apple TV called The Kim. Pigeon Tunnel, about John Le Carre, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Which is Thought his last Mr. recorded Kim. interview, I think. So it's like him oh, talking right. about his life for an hour and a half or two hours, whatever it is. It's really good. Well, I guess I know what I'm watching this evening, then. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, Cartwright and guess is locked from field well escape after the after the tiger team the tiger operation that he realized it was fake and he's got his kind of reunion with mr duffy the dogs and it's funny because he beats him up beats him up beats him up then he's like 
gets all cocky about how someone's going to come and save him soon. And this is a little bit over with. And it's like, okay, hear the knock on the door and it's like, all oh, right, it's over. Then hops the other dog who he actually whacked. I think he's pushed whack twice, hasn't he? Yeah. So the first one was in the hospital. Last time in the hospital, then last week he kind of grotted him the in last, the neck, didn't he? In the, in the neck, yeah. So, you know, he's he's been earned, he's, he's, he's owed a proper hiding, isn't he, from Hobbs. So Hobbs comes in and literally almost shatters his balls, doesn't he? Just now kicks him there. It's sort of like the Casino Royale, Le Chiffre. And oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. James yeah. Bond. <laughs> Well, probably not as not not as brutal. No but something close, something close. Well, he's in with just probably using it's like his boot or something. Ingrid is she's trying to clean up this mess, and you know this Tiger team. Well, Judd has asked to clean up this mess, and because this Tiger team, you know, wasn't really what it seemed, so she's kind of bear the responsibility of cleaning up the mess. And she's actually asked Lamb initially to clean it off her. But I think Lamb is just well, so seasoned, so experienced. He tells her to literally fuck off. And I mean, he just comes off as a joke. But at the same time, it's, it's that thing about how if someone is like an old assassin or an old spy, there's a reason why, you know, they became old in that job because mm-hmm. they obviously know what they're doing. So he can literally just smell a bullshit from a mile away <laughs> and it tells her to F off. But at the same time, Cartwright, who is so opportunistic, who is so ambitious, who wants to prove everyone right. Um, and I think this, this is probably the second time he's been got with that sort of tactic because that's how they got him for the Tiger team test though, isn't it? Just because they knew who to call. Well, Spider knew Cartwright would bite. And at the same time, <clears throat> Ingrid then calls Cartwright saying, oh, could you just do this little just a little task for me? It should be nice and smooth, it should be nice and um, everything. I'm thinking that was how it was supposed to be initially. But then Until she, she found out about the Alison Dunn connection, yeah. Alison Dunn connection. So I mean, it might have been just something nice and innocent, but at the same time because I mean when he was talking to his dad I'm sorry his dad his granddad he was saying that there's always a game you know within a game being played so I think he well but he couldn't have known but at the same time it's like I guess in this job five minutes is a long time five minutes is things move so quick that when she just obtain the information new intel the dynamics of a mission dynamics of um, interrogation just change immediately don't they and, um, yeah, I'm kind of related to the conversation he had with, uh, um, Louise about how, you know, he's always sort of tried to do the most to prove to himself and to try and, I guess, chasing his granddad's sort of legacy and shadow. But at the same time, once he tries way too hard, he just ends up fucking up a lot more. And I guess that's how he's ended up with slow horses. And, but at the same time, how he gets shit done as well because he actually still gets some stuff done but at the same time it's uh yeah it's it's, it's, it's peak for it's peak for my boy but uh but yeah I think hmm just thinking of if there's any more 
kind of plot points. I, I guess think we've I mean, covered the plot for both episodes pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sort of I feel like I've just been waffling for the entire. No, that's all right. I mean, there's a lot, a lot happening. Um, there is a lot happening, and they also set up a lot. I think. I think you're in. I think you hit the nail on the head with Ho and um, Diana. Haven't had much to do yet, so I feel mm. like those two will get get more to do. But I like how they've kind of isolated the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel yeah. Like when things kind of isolate team members, it makes the stakes feel higher. So obviously you've got River and Louisa. River's obviously been with a few different people, but mm. him and Louisa's kind of the main team. And then you've got sort of Shirley and Marcus, and then actually Lamb and Ho, I guess now. <laughs> now they're, they're kind of the... gearing up to get into action. The thing that confused me, and I might have just been not paying attention, but the place they've taken Catherine is in France. That's a good. Because then suddenly Sean is like, oh, you broke into the park this morning, but he was in France, like just before. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, when the guy from Chieftain actually escapes. There's all French number plates, aren't they? It's all French number plates. And he's like, bonjour, bonjour, um, just take me anywhere or something. And that's it. That's a good shot, actually. Yeah, I I don't remember the place they store Catherine in the book being in France. Or do you know? I think it's in the UK. But I could be wrong on that. But they don't really. So I was like, why? Why is he speaking in like? Why is he talking in French? And why the number plays French? <laughs> then I sort of was like, oh, it must be in France then. Uh, duh. But then he's suddenly back in the UK. Yeah, I mean, Eurotunnels. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm probably overthinking it. <laughs> I'm probably overthinking. It might have been. It might have been empty that day. <laughs> but you wouldn't have been able to get from wherever in France to London that quickly. It must be in the middle of nowhere. Though. I mean, it looks like quite a nice area as well in France. I like the borders of France aren't that very exactly Calais and But you can get that. nice, really nice areas in France just outside Calais. So it could be that they're oh, really? just outside Calais and very near to the Eurotunnel. So I know Calais is not very nice. No, but there is countryside all over like northern northern France. Gosh I all of my li- all of my movies in France I'm not even gonna my um but I guess Standish as well as one France, because they ask her for information. I mean, it's sort of like a weird kidnapping because they don't, it's not, they don't torture, they don't threaten her or anything. They, they just sort of food. keep her in that room. And it's like, what, what are they playing at? And everything, right? But at the same time, if we could then turn to, you know, realize that, you know, this is something a bit more than, you know, bloody conspiracies and everything like that. But yeah, that's, uh, I I just really like, just in this show, I just really like how the spy stuff and the politics stuff just intertwines. I think I'm not the big, I, I don't, I follow politics here and there. I think one of, but I think nothing, there's nothing better than a good political show. Um, Like what's that show on Netflix called? I think it's called The Diplomat. Mm, I haven't watched that yet, but that's meant to be very good. Yeah, Kerry Russell. Um, it's, uh, I think what she stopped being, I think it was like her post, because uh, she's on the Americans now as a Soviet spy. Yeah, I think this is so her first like, big thing after the Americans. Yeah, so it's like, what happens if a Soviet spy works her way up into the into American politics? So <clears throat> it's sort of like the political aspects with the Judd character and how that's actually affecting, because it's through him that all this bullshit is happening. Well, it might have happened anyway, but I think he's like the catalyst because of like the whole Tiger team operation that's just been botched right now. 
and um yeah just like how it's like oh we can't do it this way because now actually everyone is trying to everyone's looking out for themselves but at the same time you know the optics also matter as well because if we do it one way we could kind of throw Judd away and we could keep our jobs or even better get promoted but at the same time we need to be really careful about how you know go go about things but yeah really 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 good episode what's this like the episode where lamb actually meets sly monteith in his car in um in, in the chelsea area then farts in his car <laughs> well i think he does he smoke then fart or fart then smokes it's just <laughs> don't really care for that is funny. That, that, is, that is funny. <laughs> and it's like, that's a bad one. And it's just really, really good acting from um, Garobin is just cooking, man. It's just, I mean, you said he's not really acting much, but he must be having so much fun doing this. I feel like as an actor, I think back late when he listens to this, hear me out here, help me out here. I think it's, it's really fun. Like, it's one thing doing dramatic performances, right? But doing comedy, I feel it's just a whole different kettle of fish, isn't it? He's not someone prior to this that I've always thought was really funny. Mm-mm. Because obviously, I think of like, like maybe Harry Potter or The Dark Knight. He has funny moments in those, but mm. he's either playing like a tragic hero or a villain in something. You yeah. know? Like Sirius, well, Sirius Black wasn't was funny, that? was he? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one though. Um, True Romance. Oh, I suppose he's funny in that. And even um, yeah. Leon, the professional, he's kind of funny in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that as well. well. Yeah. But he's, he's funny in that because he's like a psychotic more than yeah. more than um, Lamb just being a slob. Um, Which is why I always like Olivia Coleman because she can do both really, really She well. does something like The Favourite, which is basically a drama, but she is hilarious in that. Or just everything. She, yeah. she, just, she just randomly pivot from you know the, the lost daughter which i don't love but she's quite funny in that as well you'd, you'd watch hot fuzz then you'd watch Broadchurch. you wouldn't think it's the same bloody, person yeah then you watch bloody fleabag where she's just a lassie oh she's so funny in that. she's so funny in that man it's 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 like a kind of british funny in a way it's just really deadpan and dry and just yeah Actually, i but Martin Freeman as well. We talked about Sherlock as well. He's oh, yeah, got a really yeah, good yeah, balance between... Because obviously he started out in like The Office in Love Actually. The Office, yeah. And then he kind of moved into basically straight-out drama acting. And he, even in The Hobbit, he's quite funny in that as well. Not a fan of, I'm, I mean, I'm not a fan of Lord of the Rings, but I mean, The Hobbit was just... Uh, he was good in it, though. I feel like dozing off, man. <laughs> Lord of the Rings was... I'm going to keep my Lord of the Rings takes for... Just long... For, 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 it's too long man honestly like i feel like because i watched all three i watched i came to it a bit quite late and i watched all three movies in three days and i think i watched like the extended cut something so i think one of them was like four hours i think like the thing for me with lord of the rings is i was like, like a kid when i first watched it and i'd never seen anything anything like it so same with star wars yeah. you know when you, when you first watch that kind of stuff and you don't know anything about what wakes good or bad you know whatever you're just blown away mm. by the scale of it and i remember the first time i watched it being like holy hell this is this is something 
uh, if I'm watching it for the first time now, because there's been so many like leaps in, I mean, I think visually they're actually better than a lot of modern blockbusters. Because I think like some Marvel and not so much Star Wars, because we don't have Star Wars movies in a minute, but like Marvel films and DC films, especially the special effects are just crap. Um, I get that that's a COVID thing, a strike thing, mm. whatever, and the conditions for visual effects workers. This is completely diff- unrelated to slow horses. Sorry, I've gone off on a tangent. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, but this is what we do. A on lot the of blockbusters for from podcast. 15, 20 years ago just look better and they've held up better. Mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings being one of those because of the practical effects. And when yeah. they use CGI, um, it's more like Gladiator as well. All mm-hmm. the Rome stuff in Gladiator is computer generated, but obviously the CG was new when they did that. Mm-hmm. But if you watch it, it actually holds up pretty well. Like, I mean, it's still. I'm talking about CG. Good. I mean, we spoke about how and 2001 i watched it the other day and i was like well not the other day the other month mm-hmm. and i was like these i can't believe it's like what the 60s I, oh 68 69 something like that it's crazy, like crazy right between I'm, the 60s and 70s yeah but I again because it's so gosh. limiting um that how they use them you know how and the spaceship it looks so good still and i think in 10 15 years it'll still look good yeah i think i mean cubic was a bloody maniac not wasn't he so he was he was crazy the, but i think he did make some great art because of that so i really want to watch barry linden barry linden's great oh hang on it's here i mean talk i mean talk about a lot talk about long isn't that film like four hours or something look at that there it is uh i think sure. a couple of cuts <laughs> he did like uh the cut i've got here is 185 mm. minutes so it's about it's about three hours but I think it earned no. it. But when I, it was on yeah. BBC a few years ago, I think during COVID, actually. And I, was I think like, it might be on BBC right now, actually. Yeah, so and I, I watched it in two, it. two sittings. I think I did like an hour and a half and then an hour and a half. But it flows really well. It, does not, it doesn't drag. Um, but again, I didn't watch it in one sitting, so I don't know how it is in one. But it flowed really well. I watched Killers the other day. Killers of the Fire, man. That's I just... I watched that at LSF. At half eight in the morning, or maybe not even have been eight eight in the morning. Um, sat for it in one go. I mean, I love Scorsese, but I don't know if that and the Irishman needed to be three and a half hours long. I I like both though. I do like both. I do like the really both really good movies, but I was like, oh. I think you could have probably a... shaved half an hour off each. But things like who's going to tell Scorsese to shave up? He probably had it like he probably proposed it like five hour movie, and it was like oh. same with Napoleon. I I'm not sure if I'm going to watch that. I don't I'm think watch it this weekend actually. I mean, anyway. it's okay. But again, going off <laughs> movies, people. Well, movies, we <laughs> I see. I'm sure my movie bias right now. But um, <laughs> for but to give our. Um, so I haven't seen Saltburn yet, but before we give our Saltburn to the uh... Saltburn's on Amazon in a couple of weeks, might even be next week, end of next week, I think, 20, really? 22nd of December, something like that. It got a couple of Golden Globe, Golden Globe noms today, yeah. Saw that. Saw Barry, I, saw that. I don't know, I, is it Barry Keen? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, and Rosman Pike. So, Golden Globes, I know we're talking about slow horses, but we can talk about that because that's the noms today. What did you think about them? Barbie, nine nominations? What? Yeah, I'm going to get up the list in front of me. I was just looking at it earlier. Go on, then. Uh, we got nine noms for Barbie. I think eight for Oppenheimer. And I think Killers of the Flower Moon might have had seven. Yeah, Paul Things had seven as well. Yeah. Past Lives had five, the... which I'm very happy about. I really like Past Lives. Yeah, I think that's like one of the 
like if not the best movie so May, December oh, with four and Anatomy of Fall with four that's good that's I really want to see that Holdovers with three Holdovers is really good and then mm. Spider Man Zone of Interest with three yeah I, I yeah, think I'll it win. was the first Golden Globes possibly ever for me that had a really good like I think. 90%. There's been a lot of controversy about the Golden Globes, haven't there? Yeah, I think it's a shame that they've decided to pick really good nominees after all this controversy. I can't remember what the exact controversy was about, but it was about abuse and racism. It's institutional, like the lots, basically. Racism. Just the, yeah, there were three or four the things. Big melting pot. And yeah. I think people were like, "Are the Globes still a thing?" Uh, but obviously, like network TV in the US still thinks they're a thing. Uh, it's a shame. It's a shame, and I'm hoping the Oscars and BAFTAs pick a similar set of nominees because these are really diverse set of nominees here um well the globes aren't really a good indicator about the oscars are they it's more of the baftas and the sags that mm-hmm. sort of give you i mean i, I mean there's been critics choice just shitloads well. of campaigning recently i feel like everyone is doing that is it vanity fair sit down yeah we've had actors and actors Actors and actors, um, everyone is doing that. Had, man, I, don't, so. I don't know which ones we've had so far. I think they've had the Gillian Murphy and um, Margot Robbie one, mm. and they've had the Emily Blunt and, and Hathaway one, I think, as well. Yeah, there's, um, I think, Emma Stone and Bradley Cooper, isn't it? That one? Bradley Cooper. The one person um, missing from these Vanity Fair things is um, Gosling. I don't, know, uh, I don't know why he's not doing them because obviously he's in Barbie. Is he a big campaign guy? Well, he's done a lot of. Um, he did like um, Lad Bible La stuff La um, for yeah. Barbie. So I'm like, why are you not doing doing this? But you know, I don't think. I think he's. I mean, I know. I guess the the academy is a lot more diverse these days. But I don't see there's any way of him being him winning for Barbie. Am I gonna lie? I feel like he's gonna get nominated. I have. I think so. But I've got. I've got a good feeling that. De Niro's going to win that, and that's going to piss uh, everyone De Niro off. apparently has been missing out in a lot of the regional uh, nominees so far, but he got the Golden Globe nom. I think Danny Jr. and Charles Melton for May, December are the two things. Oh, uh, RDJ might win that, actually. I, I think at the that. minute, though, RDJ and Charles Melton are the favourites for that one. May, December, right? Yeah. Watch that. But then also that's... you've got uh, Ruffalo and Defoe for um, Poor Things, and neither of them have won mm. before, so they're both overdue, I guess, as well. I feel like Hollywood likes a good comeback story, doesn't Danny it? Jr. Could, like, I think yeah. Danny Jr. could win because it's his like first big gig post-Marvel and it mm. was such a hit and he was great in it. Well, can actually act, you know? It's like, of course you can't. Well, his early stuff's all great, you know? And he's he's still good in Marvel, you know? It's just... Uh... I like it when Marvel guys just like, you know, you can actually act. Like, I've watched Snowpiercer, which is one of my favourite films, well, two films, Kong Jun Ho, and it's like, oh, Chris Evans. Can act, can actually act. What? You know, like uh, Spandex suits, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just have a feeling that I don't know if I just went best uh, supporting and not like, show off because he's like, not done a huge amount of really good stuff outside of like this and the R. He was really good in, in Killers as well. So I, so I wouldn't have any problem with him winning. But I guess to be fair, though, a lot of people did see Oppenheimer, didn't they? Mm hmm. I feel like Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer and Barbie to make a winning things would be because people went to see them and it would like vindicate Oppenheimer them. Oppenheimer is about to make a billion. I can't believe that. If Oppenheimer That's wins mental. Best Picture or Barbie does, then it's like Barbenheimer really did change the game and stuff. Monumental. Mm. Like that movie's about people literally talking in rooms. That's it. My friend was like, this is a shit movie. I was like, no, this is a great movie. Just don't get it. It's like, it's about people walking in rooms and talking. I'm like, yes. 
Although we do have that Trinity test too, which is just fucking insane. Oh, like God. honestly, I always talked to Bangley about like what seeds made the hair on your skin to literally stand. Yeah, all, all the pest scene. scenes in, in Oppenheimer were insane. Sort of like the Dark Knights when, after to be fair, like three, four seasons in Dark Knights, me and my literally made my hair stand. But like when the truck flipped. Which, oh, that that whole car chase, well, car bike that sequence, was, which is what it's probably oh, about fifteen sorry. minutes. That whole sequence from start that's, to finish. That's what we call in, insane. That's what we call cinema. And the honestly. opening, actually, the opening is really good as well. The opening was get, get the um, hands in my hands in my shoes are just clowns. <laughs> I mean, I'm in already, but um, all right, let's 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 get out of here before we. Sorry, yeah, we've 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 completely gone off on the. Uh, to be fair, though, like impromptu, you know. Good old it's only slow horses plus because Golden Globe, Globe's reaction because the Golden Globe noms were today. So that's I mean that's what that's what the listeners are here for. There, but um, yeah, guys, thanks thanks a lot for for joining us. Uh, thank you again, Chris, for uh, talking. Well, I waffle. That's, that's all really right. Thank you so you. much for having me on again. It's smooth. And I mean, you can find because you're right for every bloody publication yeah here, i've, I've but... done a lot of um enemy metro radio times um on my twitter there's a link to my portfolio and things like that so you can... also you can don't forget the website oh yeah i've got a website as well guys go check chris i'll drop me dm ask him actually because he's slated a couple of your favorite films and stuff so go drop some abuse in his uh in his dms i'm sure he would uh, appreciate it and uh <laughs> obviously um, don't forget to uh, rate review subscribe everything that we're doing really appreciate it and uh yeah i guess we'll be back next week or two we're discussing the final couple of episodes, or two episodes of slow says we'll see the series finale and yeah guys uh thanks again for joining us just to waffle on everything nothing and uh yeah cheers have a good one Speak to you soon.